Hi, and welcome to another episode of Health Shift, the podcast that bridges the gap between conventional modalities and ancient healing for complete mind, body, and spirit well-being. I'm here to broaden your horizons and to help you make a shift. And please note that these discussions are not medical advice and nor should they be used in place of medical assessments and treatments. So let's get started. Today, I'd like to welcome Dr. Kathy Kim. Dr. Kim is a board certified family medicine physician who is incorporating fascia and biomechanics into her innovative functional medicine practice. Boy, and I can attest to this work. It has been so profound in my own healing. As a body function specialist, she connects the dots between modern day-to-day biomechanics and persistent pain and dysfunctions. From TMJ and vertigo to sciatica and plantar fasciitis, Dr. Kim is successfully helping her patients reclaim their vitality with mindful movement that makes gravity more of a friend rather than a foe. Wow, we're in for a treat today. So welcome, Dr. Kim. How are you? I'm really well today. Thanks for having me, Julie. Oh, you are so welcome. So tell us your story as a medical physician, what your path has been like. I'm sure it's been pretty convoluted. I'm dying to hear it. <laughs> yes, convoluted. You don't, you don't, it is so true. You do not know what life is going to bring you, right? Um, I, one thing that did uh, always mark my uh, my style of medicine since I first trained was that I always was concentrating on what people were doing before they came with their problems. And that's why I, I naturally gravitated, I think, to family medicine for my specialty choice, because in that setting, you're influencing the pregnant mom, how the, uh, the pediatric visits, maybe the husband comes, you, the siblings come, you can really help reinforce the message across the whole family because everybody needs to learn everything different ways. Life teaches you. I always joke that college, if we only had to hear everything once, college would last about a month you know, right. You go to every lecture they tell you every fact once and you're off and running. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, that's why I went into family medicine. Um, but what happened when I broke my wrist and then after the usual customary healing, I had a lot of a neck and chest and hand pain, like including numbness and all these kinds of complex, varied nerve pains that, uh, that, hindered my recover, complete recovery. Mm. And by this time I'd already been a physician about 20 years. So I already knew like what the path was of referrals to chase down what this could be. And so I decided to use it as a time to explore, well, what would someone else do about that? You know, like, I, unfortunately I had not been that sick to, uh, to seek a lot of alternative, um, methods, but I sought all of that out and come to find out that it was my fascia that was uh, actually hindering me as far down away as my hip, all the way up to my neck. And then when I started to understand that better, and I worked on self more and more, I healed myself. And I used that knowledge then in applying that to my, uh, to my perspective on my patients. And Mm. let me tell you, that was very transformative. Like talk about, you know, fundamental. Yeah. Yeah. So for this audience, some people are going to know what fascia is and some people are not, but tell us your, your definition of the fascia and how it actually works inside the body. 
sure. So it is a complex kind of way to think about uh, what it is because it's actually many things. Um, but uh, the easiest definition is that it's a sheath uh, enclosing your muscles and then a little bit the way a bird flies a, or a pterodactyl, you think of it, is that it has to have a sheet that kind of spreads out like a tent so that it could really use the muscles and it needs some extension in between to be able to, to fly and flap. So this is kind of what your fascia is, is that it, it helps kind of grasp better and group your muscles in teams. And those teams adjust depending on what you wanna do. And that it fully expands and can recruit big groups of muscles. And that's what happens and it adapts to how you move through through life. That's the way I explain it to people. Mm, beautiful explanation. That's, that's, that's different, but really, uh, but really visual. Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. And then how do you, so let me just back up a little bit. I oftentimes am referring my clients to family medicine, medicine practitioners as well, because it reminds me of the old GP. You know, I grew up with a doctor that would come to the house with the black bag. <laughs> he knew the whole family. He knew the yeah. family dynamics from the physical, you know, anomalies that they may have had, as well as the emotional context of the of the household, and I think this is something that is so missing in healthcare because everything is very splintered and specialized. So I love the fact that you come from a family medicine background, and um, and that's really wonderful. So tell me how you evaluate a patient. Someone comes to you and says, "I have, you know, knee pain, whatever." Well, what you said about everything being everyone being specialized, I would say that that is that that is uh, exactly the hurdle for what happens is that if someone comes to me with knee pain, what uh, what can happen is that people have self sorted themselves mm -hmm. and they right and they're like they already decide that I need to see an orthopedist or I need to go see the family doctor for an X ray of my knee because they've already been indoctrinated or mm -hmm. someone once called it medicalized a little bit like radicalized, right? Yep. They've already been medicalized. So I, so what I might have to do, depending on, uh, I, I have to uh, meet the patient where they are. I have patients who come in and they're like, I am into, I always seek alternative. I believe the whole body is connected. So if they come in like that, then they're, they're ready. And I mm -hmm. might start uh, explain a little bit about the fascia, then go other patients. If they come, they don't understand that. So I try to explain. So the big picture, yep. so this is my big picture explanation for why your knee is going to be hurting. Okay. Um, I would say that if you had gone with a car and you had never balanced the tires on the car. Never. You didn't really know that you, had, you just got in and drove it, which is not diff too different from how we use our bodies, get up and go, right? So you, you get in the car and you drive it. You might heat, hit bumps or hit a curb or any of that. But if you go long enough, you're going to have imbalanced tires. You're going to even get to the point where it might bend your axle. Mm -hmm. People will say that the car will pull to one side. If it's extreme, you're actually going to find that your trunk door does not close easily. You have to hit it a certain way for it to stay closed. And your rear window might leak in the rain just a little. Mm. So this is an example of how your structure can then tweak. Your structure could be off enough to tweak the function of other things much farther away because it's so foundational to the movement. 
And then imagine if that's tweaked underneath, your fuel line is gonna have some tension on it, maybe not be able to run smoothly under stress, like at an angle on the hill. And the same would go for um, electrical wiring, that kind of thing. So this is what I explained to people that maybe when you come and it's just your knee pain, I do wanna find out what other things are going on because those give me the clues of where your structure's most off. And then I'll say the great news is, is when we help you align your tires and get those things back into being more smooth in line, then this helps bring your axle under your car a little more in line. Then those five different aches and pains that, that kind of come and go that you just manage, they all get better. Oh my God. I absolutely love it. You know, it's interesting. I was speaking with a physician this morning who said, you know, I'm interested in, in working with you, you know, what's your title? And it's like, ah, you know, it's really hard. Cause I started out as a registered dietitian. I still use that, you know, in my work, mm-hmm. but I've moved so far away from that. And yet that is an anchor point where people can come in and say, well, I need my diet. You know, I need my diet fixed or the doctor sent me in order to work on my nutrition And then we start to peel the onion and look at all of these other layers of challenges and how they relate with one another. So I love this. This is really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's another point you bring up about these, this, this, like, where do you fit in? Yeah. Right. Because this is still part of what you're saying about the specialization of, of our medicine, because when, if you see a client and they come in and they are like, no, all you're meant to do is tell me about my diet. It really boxes you in mm. and you're like, you're like a new, you're like a he, nutritional healer is kind of what you are, you know, mm-hmm. right. Like a healer, healer, sub, sub subject, you know, nutri- in the nutritional area. Right. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's more, it's more nuanced than that. And that's, it's a little hard when you're boxed in by uh, RD. Yeah. yeah. And, and the other thing is that, you know, the only way in, in, in conventional thought process for both, you know, providers and patients is to put a label on something. And when we label things, you know, it's helpful from the insurance industry perspective. Uh, it's helpful to a degree to at least pinpoint where something might be a problem right now, but it really doesn't get at the root causes of the challenges. Yeah. Amen. I go to your church. <laughs> I love it. And I go to yours too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, can't wait for the picnic. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So tell me what, um, who's your target market? You know, who would you say are the main people that come to you or is it really, uh, varied? You know, my target market it's, is, uh, it ends up being open, curious women. Mm. I am telling you this, I joked with another woman cause she wants her husband to come. And I said, you know, the same gene that won't let the man ask for directions is the same gene that, that makes right. That makes it so that he, he, he might have difficulty coming in to be open and curious. Sure. And so, um, I have had a few, a few XYs men come in and really seeking. One guy was really just seeking and seeking how to manage his own cancer. And it was really impressive. He came in having read so many things and needed my support for, um, what do I think of this? What is this in the right area? Cause he was, it was hard for him to find support in, mm-hmm. 
it with, from his conventionally trained doctors. Sure. And I, and I uh, made sure that based on my training and what I understood about uh, the whole person in integrative oncology, because I did, uh, uh, took a course also in integrative oncology, how to help your body change the soil. So it will not want to grow the cancer again. Right. So I just tried to make sure what he was finding was similar to that. So I will say that there are open and curious men out there. I don't mean to say there aren't, but when you look at the statistics, it's been, it's been mostly, mostly in the women. And what's, and what's interesting uh, is that I have found that, that while people might pigeonhole me or box me in as a fascia based um, uh, uh, healer or physician into an orthopedic realm. Mm. What it is, is that fascia is, is, um, is in the, in the in-between land of translating biomechanical problems into physiology. So what that means is that by pulling, it's like, when you pull on a lamp string and it turns off, you are translating that pulling into whether or not that thing is working or not, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or if, or another way to be it, actually um, another way would be if you're in the electrical example for the car, if the structure's off and it's tugging enough on the electrical wiring, your lights on the dash are gonna flicker when you hit bumps because there's so much tension on the line. Mm -hmm. So this is how a biomechanical fascial force can affect the function of something that's working. So you, that changes it now. It's not just orthopedic. It's not just your joint. It changes the function of how your organs are working, right? So I found that the most gratifying areas that I've been able to help women has been on the problem of painful, heavy periods. Mm -hmm. um, because the same issue, the pulling of the fascia is if you had a cut and you didn't leave it alone, it would keep bleeding, right? You don't, you would. So this is the principle that if I help them move differently, so the tension is not the same on their actual internal, internal organs, then their periods will be dramatically less heavy and dramatically less painful. It is, it's been so great to liberate women from laying on a heating pad at that particular time of their month and to make them more productive and not plan their lives around their period. This has been one of the most rewarding uh, top three things that I've been able to help women with. The second thing has been when they have recurrent bladder infections or the symptom that they are going to have one, which they've spent countless hours on the phone with their doctor to get another round of antibiotics for, or urgent cares on vacation. These are all things that they've wasted their time for. And so um, I've helped women with that problem. And the third thing is for vertigo. And, mm. you know, so vertigo is a very common uh, problem for women and, um, uh, I have helped it for men too. It's just, you know, it's a statistical problem on my sample, right. Sure. <laughs> of who comes in, but that also is something that they've had to, uh, bend their lives around. And so those are the top three things that I've been, uh, I find so satisfying. One woman like around in her around 30 told me that it was life-changing that we had, that she had been surprised by her period. She had never been surprised by her period because it always came after intense back pain, letting her know it's coming. And this period came with no back pain before she had never been surprised. Wow. And so it's, it's a wonderful, 
way to open up someone's life. And what we attribute to women being saddled by hormonal problems, some of these are not hormonal. It's a mechanical fact of living a modern, modern day life. Um, so I will say that I did make a YouTube video just recently we posted it because my goal was along the way is to try to help uh, people understand how with the way we move impacts your health. So it's about the tips for a short woman, the problems that happen to short women, not that it's only for them, but they do get saddled with several things together hmm. by virtue of a world being made for taller people to sit in a chair and the counters being taller, this then puts them at all at risk for, I noticed several shorter women. I'd be like, oh, this is a thing. It's a thing that they, that they have adapting to this, to this uh, one size fits all society. Oh my God. Amen. Amen. So it's interesting. I was just working with a, um, functional assessment specialist. Cause I had a frozen shoulder and a rotator cuff issue, not uncommon in menopausal women. You know, there's a variety of factors from nutrition, biomechanics, hormones, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But one of the things that I said to him was, um, I had actually gone to chiropractic school for six months and said, well, this is interesting, but not exactly what I want to do. So I have tried so many different things, but I love it. Yeah. I actually have shorter arms. So somebody pointed that out to me when they were doing sort of like a mechanical assessment. And I said, you know, so that stayed with me for years. And so when I met with Dr. You know, Dr. Cordero, I said to him, I said, you know what? I know that part of this is that I reach beyond my capacity. Uh-huh. So I kind of know, you know, part of the structural problem. Now I just need to figure out how to mechanically, you know, make changes, get rid of my pain and things like that. I mean, I am so I'm like 98% back to normal, which is amazing because of some of the work that he's done and having me to really think about how I position my body when I exercise. So you know, yes, shorter women, all of that. I'm, I'm looking at an ergonomic desk and then, yes, uh, <laughs> you know, because I don't fit the standards either, you know, really. Yes. When you have a long torso, but shorter legs or longer legs and shorter torso, it, isn't that true? When you're picking a tool out of your toolbox, you know, for that situation, you might need a longer wrench versus a shorter wrench. It all changes the force that you're about to exert. Yes. So of course, if your, your body proportion is going to impact which part of your body is going to take more of the hit when you do your movement. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, the other thing, and I, I have this conversation a lot with people is that most of the research has been done or actually almost all of the research has been done on men. And so part of the reason that I, I love that women are coming to you is because they can't even go to either Dr. Google or, uh, you know, a PubMed study to say, women experience this during this phase of their menstrual cycle. You know, we have those four phases of menstrual cycles and each of those parts of the cycle mean that our physiology is acting differently and our brain is acting differently. So it's amazing. Yes. Well, we, we, we are a tad reductionistic in our society, right? You know, like in terms of a tad, So a tad like that pill will do that. And, and I'm more of a, I'm like you, I'd say, I look for what's common, what's common to explain the whole thing as a unifying, unifying idea. And 
so if you look at, for instance, they are now finding that Alzheimer's is reversible, right? Mm -hmm. And the way Dr. Bredesen describes it is it's like having a roof with 30, I think he said 36, we'll choose 36, 36 holes. It's a roof with 36 holes in it for when it rains. And one drug one of the invented drugs, the reason why when I've been prescribing it before, when I prescribe, the only reason it helps is like a blip, but then not after several months, let's say, sure. um, is because everything, all the rain is still coming through the other 35 holes. Mm -hmm. And, and what it turns out when I, in the integrative oncology, for instance, course, you learn that there are about 30, some 33, 36, let's just pick a number, right. That have to go wrong for cancer to occur. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, you have to have deficiencies in these vitamins. You have to have this inflammatory setup. You have to have these genes already and then they turn on. And so it turns out. So how much you want to bet you have at least 30 things that go wrong for an autoimmune disease to turn on mm -hmm. or right. And so everything. Uh, so changing when the body's so adaptable that it, which is in a great way. So if you adjust one thing, of course, the rest of the team is going to adjust and we're meant to be that way, kind of resilient that way. And it's when we get, we've maxed out all the capacity to adjust in all the other ways that we're now, then things start to fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so true. You know, in integrative and functional medicine, we talk about the rain barrel, you know, it's like it, you know, fills up with drop, 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 drop. And then all of a sudden it falls over and spills out. And I've had so many clients who said, I never had allergies before. I never had autoimmune illnesses before. And I said, you know, let's take a look at your history from birth on up, or maybe even pre-birth, Yeah, all the different hits and traumas and environmental exposures and all of that to kind of put the, you know, put a picture together. And, and I think that again, you know, the other piece of it is that it takes time to heal and people want a one and done. Hey, see me for a visit. Great. I'm cured. And it's like, yes. no, that's not the case, you know? Yeah. It is not right. It, it, the car analogy works really well. I find because when I say to people, I say, look, we're a car you're bringing in and it's full of dents and never not, not been, you know, you didn't know that you, how to drive it and all of that. So, and every dent has a story. So when we try to help you, we're mm -hmm. like that part hurts and I'm trying to help you with that dent. And then after three visits, you come in and you're like, I couldn't do anything. Cause I really been feeling anxious. And you're like, well, that's interesting. What did that bring up? Some of these dents are bigger than others. It might've been that this signified a part of a uh, uh, time of your life where it, you were, you're just, you're flooded is a little strong, but you are reminded a lot of feelings come up about what some other phase of your life. You might remember something about when you were a teenager. And we talk about that because we have to talk about that. Anybody who's brought in who wants their car right back and they have done nothing with the car, that, that body shop worker or mechanic or combo is like, mm, I can't get that back to you in a week, you know, right? Sure. So Absolutely. we do want it back, but yeah. It's so, it's so true. Um, those emotional aspects. I love uh, Louise Hayes, Heal Your Body. Are you familiar with that little tiny book? Oh my gosh. I, I love that book, you know, in terms of looking at, you know, the physical uh, uh, manifestation, the emotional, the spiritual, and then she also gets into the structural, which is really kind of interesting as well. But I, it's just, it's a wonderful way to really kind of look at some of these times or these traumas throughout history. And it's interesting. I was just trying to reach out to a colleague. I think she's retired now, Deb Sichel. She's a, a women's psychiatrist back in Boston. And I used to see her patients many years ago. 
Um, and she used to use the analogy with um, postpartum depression and premenstrual, you know, dysmorphic disorder and things like that, that be these little hits throughout life of emotional challenges. And then all of a sudden the volcano, you know, where the earthquake, earthquake you know, erupts. Yeah. And I think that that's really true. It's a great way to really look at it is it's not just that one point in time, it's all those little mini hits throughout yep. life that yep. we either dismiss, brush it under the rug, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but they all do contribute most definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, another, uh, another kind of global concept I, I think about this reminds me of that is that um, I, I'm seeing that in our modern lifetime, we have become less and less connected, reliant, uh, humble to the natural world. So, right. So, true. so mm -hmm. uh, generations ago, you had to pay attention to the sun because you needed it for sunlight, obviously to work by. And then electricity is invented and you don't need to pay attention to the sun. And you have to pay attention to the to the weather because you'd like to do laundry. But what's the point of hanging stuff up when it's going to rain? So now you don't pay attention to that. You don't have to pay attention to the seasons as much because you can go to the grocery store for everything that you want to buy that is plant or for meat because you don't have to pay attention to bird migration or anything for hunting. Sure. Right. So the really when you when you look at it as it gets less relevant, you pay less attention. And but what I'm uh, in my work, what I'm saying is that we are still we are still subject to gravity right? We have not figured out a way to like dis, uh, uh, remove gravity. We've removed all of regular mother nature, mostly from our life, except for natural disasters, right? And so how do we make, how I, I tell whoever's an adolescent or an older person, mature person, I say, how do we make it relevant to you that you at every moment, you're actually fighting gravity? And can I help you use gravity to your advantage, to help you get stretchier mm -hmm. instead of stiffer and right. right. Instead of stiffer, because you're kind of fight, working against it in a fixed kind of kickstand way, instead of in a work with it and become, uh, I, uh, I tell the patients we're working on, we're working on your boing factor. We yeah. want your muscles <laughs> to be more boingy. And mm -hmm. that boinginess is that is keeps you from, um, from falling because you're like a tightrope walker with a flexible rod, not a rigid rod that helps you keep your balance. So we want to be more boingy. And so, so I am, uh, uh, we're working on the awareness to understand that gravity is there and we, and we will, um, grow some humility towards that because it'll make up for everything we've lost about humility from mother nature and the natural world. Oh my God. I, I absolutely love it. So I have a, a, a few, a few pointers here. I am very involved in like sustainability and eco-friendly and B corporation that's giving back to their employees as well as the, as well as our beautiful environment. I'm actually doing a course right now and I'm using animal speak by Ted Andrews. I don't know if you know his book, no. But he talks about the, again, the, the essence of different animals, birds, insects, and things like that, that can either come into our awareness or our dreams or are in our lives. And if we look at some of that, we can learn from our animal friends. And so it fabulous book, again, I'm using it to help women empower themselves with things that they want to change and transform rather than just the usual here, set your goals, 
you know, for January 1st, and then by February 1st, they're, they've gone out the window. So I'm trying to come up with a, a newer way of extracting from our environment. And the other thing is I use wide angle vision. I don't know if you're familiar with wide angle vision, really cool concept where you just you, you look out, you go outside, or you can look through a big picture window and you just don't focus on anything, but allow your eyes to be able to see out and be able to see the, you know, the sides of both of your hands. And when you do that, you actually increase parasympathetic nervous system activity. So you're, in, you're invoking the relaxation response. And during COVID, haven't we become microscopic? Yes. Yeah. So- that's so cool. Do you keep your hands as far apart as possible? Well, you know, out so that you can still see the, still see the okay. sides. You know? Okay. And then you're trying to use wide angle vision, wide angle vision. And again, wow. what it does is it, it, it helps the eyes. It helps with headaches and all of that. But again, from, from an emotional perspective, you get to see the big picture rather than the tiny little issue that we're faced in front of all the time. Well, that is fabulous. Exactly. All in, all in. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And, you know, I was listening to a a book about polyvagal theory and um, Mm. it, and I was reminded that the vagus nerve, which is in charge of like controlling the heart rate and reacting to these stimuli is 80% afferent, which means that it's 80% taking in the information in order to do the 20% slight bits that it's using modifying going out. And so you, and, uh, but if it's true, uh, this kind of tunnel vision is a sympathetic condition. Right. Because you have to focus because fight or flight. And so um, you changing your intake input of information by on purpose, expanding it, it's really it's you can influence it going up instead of always cognitively trying to influence it going down. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Love it. Thank you for that. I'll have to try that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, it's really fun. You know, I used to do a lot of. Uh, company corporate wellness programs and things like that and used to go to the companies and I loved it. It was really fun to do that. And then of course, within a week after COVID, we had to pivot and become Zoom friendly and WebEx Mm. and all these other things, which scared the death out of me, but I I learned. Um, But I would still teach these things, you know, via Zoom, because again, we have now the platform where we can teach breathing techniques and wide angle vision and all these kinds of things that are just really, really wonderful. So yeah. Great techniques yeah. because it is true. Sometimes when I'm working with patients, they'll say, this is a lot to think about mm-hmm. and, and right. They'll say it's too much. Like, I, I feel like this is just a hassle. They might say, or, um, some are really excited, but some feel like it's a, uh, it's a lot. And, uh, and, um, so what I'll say as a reframe or as an interesting perspective is I'll say, well, I think when we were in pioneer days, when we went outside, we would have to be aware whether or not there was a bear there, whether there was right. Like you always had to be on guard for wildlife or, or, um, because you can't just go outside and just be assume it's all safe. Right. So, so these are things that happened in our evolution of going outside is that we had to pay attention to lots of things around us, sensory and Mm -hmm. the environment. We were in tune with that. And 
and uh, when now if you could take that to just recreation and you go out and you're playing golf, you still have to pay attention where the other golfers are. How fast are they playing? Should they play through? Where do you step? Are you going to mess up where they were? Like there's a whole nother level to keep track of. Mm. And same with an athletic. And when you're playing sports, you're paying attention to the other team. Where are they standing? So we and never mind a musician in a big group or, or right in a big orchestra, the listening that goes on. So this brain of ours has endless capacity to keep track of amazing level of detail and moving parts. All that matters is whether or not we find them relevant to us or whether they're mm-hmm. important enough that we can, that it, it, that it's advantageous to us or makes a difference to us. Sure. And right. So it's all about the shift you're talking about right here. I love it that it's a health shift. And so it is, uh, and so all that means is that I haven't helped, um, the understanding of it to make it relevant enough, or that maybe the vagus nerve is not really, um, in a state of safety enough to be able to take it on. Cause mm-hmm. when it's relaxed enough, you're open and curious. And, but if you're stressed, you're not, your vision is like in, mm-hmm. uh, so it, that's why this work is so, has so many facets to it. It opens up, it ends up, it could help you open up so much more than just your musculoskeletal life or your, you know, or your other medical problems you had no idea had basis in your fascia. Sure. Sure. And, and part of that is just taking a few minutes of quiet time each day to really just kind of do an assessment. You know, mm-hmm. where am I, how am I feeling today? Where am I at? What's going on? And it's interesting. I, I posted uh, last week, as you know, I have a new puppy and I think you might've met her when we first met, but um, yes. so Zoe is now six months old <clears throat> and I was really grumbly like a week and a half ago. And I was like, what is going on here? And then, and I had stopped journaling and lighting my candle first thing in the morning and having my coffee and all that. It was like, you get up in the morning, get your shoes on, get your coat on and get out so she can do her, her duty. <laughs> so, and then, you know, normally I would take a brisk lunchtime walk and I get out in the sun and all that. And it's turned into this little saunter sniff session. And this it is, came, is Zoe centric. Your life has become Zoe centric. It, it became totally Zoe centric. And, okay. and again, so what was interesting is that I said, you know what, I need to take a few minutes to really tap into this. And that's what came up for me. It was like, wow, I completely let myself go out of some of those routines that were so meaningful for me and helped me to really feel balanced for the day. So I've brought them back in. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, you know, I love absolutely having her in my life, but I realized it can't be centralized solely around another. It has to include that, you know, focus on ourselves and finding that balance. So balance, which is amazing. Aren't, aren't we only balanced for one split second? The rest is trying to find it. If you write when you're, when you're meditating and you're, and you're really uh, in the middle and like not think of anything. And then that's a second and then the rest, (laughs) right. And the rest is how can you realize it? And then be like, that's just thinking. And I'm going to not thinking without the, um, without the, uh, what is that without the metaphorical slap in your cheek that you get back in, back at, back in line, right. Cause judgment, it's not corrective judgment. 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 <laughs> so yeah. that thing that uh, I tell people that I think life 
is not about doing it exactly right, like coloring inside the lines. What you're describing, what happened to you last week is that you're, we're, we're like moving and bending with life, whether we're an earthquake proven structure that the reason they make it earthquake uh, reinforces it, not to make it more rigid, they make it to be more, more flexible. Mm -hmm. So, right. And if you're tightrope walking, you're not rigid. You have to be go one way and then the other, and you are balanced for a second. So I think your story is great because it, because you were not so rigid in your life that you're, that you said, I don't, uh, Zoe, you're going to have to get bend to my schedule. You bent to her schedule. Mm -hmm. Then you saw what happened. And then you're like, I got to bring it. I was a little too far out the lines for my life drawing. I need more balance. I got to bring it back the other way. Mm -hmm. And so that's all we're doing is teetering and tottering and more or less, uh, trying to stay balanced in the middle without, um, being too mean to ourselves along the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a phrase that I've used with my patients for years. I call it structure with flexibility. You know, structure yes. is something that we all love and yeah. we can all depend on and look forward to and feel safer with. But if we don't have that flexibility in there, it does become too rigid. And then we, you know, then the, the little punisher inside our brain, the yapper starts yapper. to go off. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, did you, um, I don't know if you, you probably have read it or I'm sure you've heard of him that Dr. Dan Siegel, who wrote Mindsight and several other books. Uh, he's a, a psychiatrist and he's researched and um, worked hard on uh, helping uh, people understand about neuroplasticity and in integrating your right and left hemisphere of your brain. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I thought was fascinating that he kind of realized he says in that book is he says he realized that that the psychiatry diagnosis book, DSM, which is now the five, you know, he says it can be broken down in two, two kinds of disorders, rigidity and chaotic. And you're like, what? If what? So yes, it's like you're what you're talking about goes right in with that structure with flexibility, right? It's yeah. it's a little of both. But if you're all one or the other, you land yourself in that in that book. Sure. Oh boy. Yuck. <laughs> So yeah, you had it, you nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's so true. That's so true. I, this whole idea of neuroplasticity is so important and there's so many ways to achieve that, you know, in terms of how we, um, how we move, you know, so, which is a lot of what you're talking about as well. Um, you know, different nutrients and supplements and things like that. And just in meditation, just wonderful ways to be able to kind of move the dial so that we can keep our brains flexible throughout life since we're living longer. Yeah. If we're a closed system in a way, whichever way you start, heal reflexology on the bottom, you know, work on the, you know, cranial sacral on the top, mm -hmm. as long as you're on the healing path, eventually it spreads to the whole system. Sure. And uh, so we're our, we're just our way in it's, it's the way in, but if we're ongoingly in tune, learning, integrating, it, it, you, what end you start with? I'm not sure it matters a whole lot. I so agree. Yeah. Yeah. This has been absolutely fascinating. So what three tips do you have to offer people in this confusing healthcare world? Three tips are going to be, I'm going to be, um, I, I'm going to narrow myself down to three tips. Um, okay. 
that happens when I'm in visits and I'm trying to give them uh, the basics to go on with. So, and I wrote an article uh, that I, I really, I feel really, um, pr I'm proud of that one because I feel it's a different twist on, on the anti-inflammatory diet information out there. Because my goal is for people to shift how they think. Because mm. if you shift how you think, then that, then you'll seek for your answers in a different way. Right. Which is, which is the, your philosophy also, or you're facilitating people seeking for that shift. Mm -hmm. And so one of my articles is, is, is supports this about, uh, uh, for functional nutrition, think about, think about mud, not money. So, um, anyway, it's about like avoiding the inflammation caused by processed carbs. Right. Mm -hmm. So the move. And so this is in, this is, this is your speak all day, I'm sure, right? I, the work, uh, the research pointing towards the value of keto and intermittent fasting and all of that work, it's from our hunter-gatherer, you know, caveman days. Uh, so in short, my advice to people is try and keep steering towards that kind of way of, of eating, living, because that was when we had the least at our disposal, seriously at our elements, right? In the elements, we were eating protein and gathering plants. That was all. Mm -hmm. We didn't have fields of grain, none of this. And, and for perspective, apparently in one of these big, um, you know, coffee drinks, or let's say a big soda, the amount of sugar in that, and you would know this too, is, is, is as much sugar or more than they, a caveman had in a year. Mm -hmm. And that's an incredible, uh, like a piece of information to, to make it relatable to yourself about what are we doing? And that's, uh, so about the carbs. So you're avoiding processed carbs. And that, uh, that's one thing I would uh, suggest because as our life gets more modern and more modern, I find that it explodes this car, this convenience aspect. Sure. And the second one I, uh, suggest is I, I tell people to be, start being aware of the toxins in your diet, like the dirty dozen. Um, I'll, I'll have them just start with that because, I say, well, if you think that's leaving you in 24 hours, when you would do your eliminations, you know, mm -hmm. let's just, let's go over the, the truth of the matter that it is not. Sure. So, uh, so I'll say it's, so I, I, I suggest that they look into that and then, uh, and, um, and just work on avoiding because avoiding mud is a whole lot easier than drying it out after it happened. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing would be, uh, is again, what, what your work is you technically you'd be boxed in as a nutritionist. It's only diet, but it's about this mindfulness. What we talked about here that in modern life, we have ceased to require being it's ceased to, it, our life has ceased to require being mindful and aware because everything is so controlled everywhere. Mm -hmm. And right. So it, our survival is not depending on it and what we eat either. So we don't have to be aware of danger at every second. It's only at certain times. And uh, so working on mindfulness, uh, whether it's so seeking out the courses or doing those apps yourself and what Eckhart Tolle says in that uh, New Earth uh, book and in the discussion with Oprah, I love that super soul I love um, that. Yes. discussion series they had, which is saying that when you're being mindful and aware, it's not in reaction to the Zen of your environment that you feel like you love it at home and with your morning coffee and all. Is that Zen coming from you 
externally in or are you in your breath and doing it from being aware and that is from you because when you are trying to be zen in a chaotic environment that's boundary crossing and invading and you can't be zen it might be partly because you you didn't notice you were absorbing zen from your surroundings and it wasn't from your own mind breathful mindfulness Mm -hmm. and that's the practice of us being aware and non-judging and and progressing that way and then we are then we're more centered more centered as life gets more and more uh, demanding i love it i love it so carbs toxins and mindfulness yeah perfect perfect areas for people to really you know soak in and, and really pay attention to so this has been amazing dr kim and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom how can people get in touch with you they can get in touch with me on my website. I did try to make it simple. It's just drkathykim.com, you know, <laughs> my name with the C. Perfect. And um, I have blog articles there and case reports of the uh, outcomes that I've had working with patients. And uh, I also have a YouTube channel where I educate people on the more, uh, uh, more uh, physics of it or the science of it to kind of help them understand it. And then there, and then it's transitioning now to a little more casual kind of visits because now I have that as my foundation and people can um, uh, watch those and, and get out of that what I'm hoping they can get out. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. And if you like this podcast, please rate, review, and share with your friends, your family, your coworkers. I'm on a mission to help change the current paradigm of healthcare and mental health care. And you can find me at juliefreeman.net, on Instagram at juliefreemanmindfulwellness, and on YouTube at Julie Freeman Functional Medicine La Jolla. Until next time.